Amen, amen. Well, good morning. Let me know when the live stream's up and going. It's up and going. Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope y'all have had a great week. I know I have. Uh, this, this next two weeks, I'm off from my job, so it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to having just a lot of family time. And by the way, Merry Christmas. I know next Sunday we're not going to have service. So for, for the live stream folks, um, we're going to be uh, having cookies, carols, and communion next uh, Saturday at 3 o'clock. So Christmas Eve, we're going to come in at 3 o'clock. We're going to do some uh, Christmas carols. We're going to do some, you know, uh, the communion. And we're going to have a little bit of a fellowship before everybody goes off and starts their, their Christmas events. So uh, come out and join us for that. It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> you know, this past week, we were talking about, you know, love came to earth, but we were talking about the Beatitudes. And one of the things that I wanted to point out in the Beatitudes, because the Lord just kept showing me that there was this, the, the, the Jesus experience that everybody talked about, about him having authority and having power. Do you know that that came out of the fact that he just had so much hope, he had so much faith that people never had seen anything like it? Do you know that when a man comes in and he tells you things like, blessed are you, because you're going to see the kingdom of God. Well, that's not anything they had ever heard before. Do you know that, that if you had had a, a time in your life when, when somebody had told you, oh, you're not going to ever be able to do that. I remember years and years ago when I was a, a teenager, um, I had people that I went to school with. They were well-meaning. But, you know, I wanted to play football in college. Well, do you know that in order to go to college and play football, there's this little thing called you got to graduate from high school. Okay. So how many people knows that I did not graduate from high school? All my family, everybody in here that's heard my story, right? Well, the thing is, I had to go get a GED. Well, you know, at the end of all that, you're sitting there going, well, my, my dreams are dashed. The, my life is over. Well, you know, there's a lot to be said for, you know, playing football in, high school, you know, in college would have been great. But that was not the plan that God had for me. In fact, I would have not done any of the college pieces of it. I would have only went and did the football pieces of it. Because that's all I really cared about. And you know, the, the thing is, is that I wouldn't have done it because I didn't have any hope. Do you know what hope brings? It brings about faith. If I have hope in something, then I can believe, right? So hope has to come first. I remember the first time, and everybody's probably heard this, 
You know, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. Pastor Jim McCann III was talking about something. I don't even remember what he was talking about, but he used that scripture. It blew up on the inside of me. Do you know that it became my banner? I didn't have a GED. I didn't have an education of any type. I was just, I was, I had no hope. But do you know that the moment that I heard, I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me. You know, it was, it was what, it was what the, the Bible and the Greeks refer to as a rhema word. It was a spoken word to me. See, it was logos on the paper. It, it was written. But when I heard it, it became alive. Do you know why? Because it was hope to the hopeless. You know, when you have no hope, you will go no further than where you're at. It's just, it's just the way it is. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, everybody loves 1 Corinthians chapter 13. They love it because it's the love chapter. We've got the love chapter. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, you know, Barry White should be the one that, you know, reads 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to everybody. But do you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says that now abideth faith, hope, and love in the greatest. That word greatest, it means the first is love. So you could flip that whole thing upside down. You have to have love. So you have to know you're loved so that you can love. You know, one of the great things about when Jesus would teach, he would teach his disciples and he was just blunt with them. Just blunt. And he would go, love your neighbor as yourself. You know what? Most of them had never even loved themselves, so they didn't even know how to love their neighbor. See, you have to know love before you can show love, right? But faith, hope, and love, if I know love and I show love, then I have hope. And hope goes into this trust. So if I know the word of God, and that was the whole thing, was the moment that I heard I can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens me, it became a banner to me. I went from, okay, I'm loved by God. That sounds great. I I can now start loving people. But now I have this hope in his word. Do you know that when the, the hope of the word came, I started getting what Romans 10 said, where it says, It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Do you know that the word of God became alive in me? I heard it and now I had faith in it. Do you know that when the word comes to you and you see the word happening in your life, you're going to go from, wow, I've never seen this happen before. You start believing it. Well, maybe this is going to get a little bit better. You know, it's perfectly fine to go, I don't know if I believe this, but I've seen some stuff. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm ready to take the next step. You know, that's a great place to be. You know, a long time ago, there was people, especially in the Word of Faith movement, that have been like, just believe. Well, you know what? There's a good little leap between believing and where I'm at today. You know, sometimes we just need the Lord help me. 
How many people knows that the greatest prayer that you can ever pray is help? In fact, I want everybody to pray that right now. Go help. Do you know that help is the greatest prayer that you can have because it takes you from where you're at to where you're going to go? Do you know Kayla needs help right now? I don't know. She's having, she's having a moment. But do you know that at the end of all of this, you have to build upon the things that you know. Love came to earth because no one knew love. Jesus himself had to come as a man in order to take on the sins of the world. You know, there was a comedian I saw and he was making a joke about Jesus coming. And he was talking about what type of superpowers does a baby have? And he's going through this whole thing going, well, a baby can scream and a baby can cry and they poop. And so I'm pretty sure that 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 drove, you know, it was going to drive the Romans out. Well, if your belief system is that Jesus came to get rid of the Romans, then you miss the plot. The reason why Jesus didn't come as a man, like, ta-da! Well, he was a full-blown, full-grown man up front. is because he wouldn't have been like you and like me. Now, how many people, there may be some folks in here that actually just came to this world as a full-blown, you know, adult. Anybody? Any? Kaylee did. I know that's a lie because she's my daughter. Quit lying in church. But see, what I want you to understand is that if Jesus had just come as a man and he had had the superpowers, he was Superman. Do you know that if he had just come as a man, it wouldn't have been like me and you. Come on now. It wouldn't have been like me and you. Jesus came to be me and you in order to take on the sins of the world so that we no longer are without God, but we are in right standing with God. Jesus came as a baby because guess what? We all came as a baby. He came from a virgin because the father was the father. The mother is what gave him the the way and the entry into this life. And from the time he was born, Jesus didn't have, Jesus had to deal with everything else. How many people know that Jesus got hot? How many people know that Jesus got cold? How many people know that Jesus stunk when he didn't take a bath? How many people know that he sweated? How many people know that he went to the bathroom? You know what? He didn't walk three feet off the ground and I am the Lord thy God. No, he came and he lived like me and you so that he could overcome and now we could believe. You know, I I love how Paul would put it that we don't have a high priest that does not understand our infirmities. Jesus did it all. He was tempted in every way. You know why? Because he showed love to the world. See, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So 
the gift of Jesus, and we talked about this, is that the war was over a couple weeks ago. If you haven't heard that, I go into great detail about that. Because it says in Matthew, it says, I'm sorry, Luke, it says, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. See, I want you to understand something. God said, I'm no longer fighting you. You may be trying to fight me, but you ain't going to get anywhere. I'm done with all that. I'm bringing my son as a peace treaty and putting him on the earth. And when I brought him to this earth, guess what happened? It means that now I have a, I have a way maker. The miracle worker. You know, I love that song that, uh, that is out there. I, we don't do it because it's very much a gospel song and we don't have the people nor the to be able to, you know, get the, the whole gospel thing going on. But, you know, when I play rock, I, I'm barely playing at all, right? It's, I'm just doing what I need to do. But, you know, promise keeper, light of the world. Do you know that Jesus came to make a way for each and every one of us? It was, it was our pathway back to the Father, it was our written signature across the adoption papers. I no longer fight against the people who believe. So you have to be loved in order to love. You have to have hope in order to have faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this is a continual peace of thing that we have to do every single day. We have to renew our mind by the word of God every single day. That's why a church is awesome because we get to come in here, we get to renew it together. We get to we get to hear the word and then we get to talk about the word. In fact, I would really love if people were like, "Hey, I'd really like to have Bible studies. I'd like to come in on on a weeknight and let's really just get into the word." I would love that. So if if people are wanting to do that after the first year, I would love to do that. But see, this is what I want you to understand is that the light of the world came so that we would know. And after we know, then we get to live it. See, this is where the people that was in Jesus' time, they had never seen it. They had never lived it. The religious folks of the day had always told them, you ain't got enough money, you ain't got enough stature, you'll never have your sins forgiven because you can't afford all the, remember Jesus flipping the tables? It's, no one could afford to have their sins forgiven. I mean, it was, it was literally, they would go into the temple and they would go, I have no money. And they would go, well then you can't get a sacrifice. Because you're not able to pay. You know that if that had been your life over and over and over again, then you would start losing hope that I could ever have a relationship with God. And see, Jesus came in order to give back hope so that we could have faith in Him and that we could receive our inheritance back in the Father. So last week we talked a little bit about this. Blessed are the poor, 
And this word poor means lacking or bigger in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We just kind of talked about that. If you had never heard that you could be saved, if you never heard that your sins could be forgiven, if you never thought I could have Jesus or have God at this point, then you know what would have happened? You would have given up. There would have been no hope. But see, Jesus came and he paid the difference. So the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. God was coming to them to tell them, you can have this kingdom. You don't have to pay nothing. In fact, I'm going to pay it all. I'm bringing the sacrifice of the world for your sins. That would have been, I mean, I got news for you. That's, whoo, that's good news today. But you know that back then, they would have been like, I never heard anything like this. Never heard it. It's never been anything I've ever heard of. You know, I think some people were probably astonished. <laughs> That's never going to happen. How many people know that if I told you a good good piece of news, I, I hear it all the time. I see it on Facebook. I, I, I talk to people in the world and they get real sarcastic about, well, you know, that would never work for me. Well, you know what? Jesus came to make it work for them. He gave to everybody in the world that was poor in spirit. Guess what? Everybody was poor in spirit. Even the ones that had all the money to do all the sacrifices. Eventually the sacrifices quit them. How many people know that the Jewish people nowadays do not sacrifice? Everybody better know this because there is no temple. Everybody that has not accepted Jesus, they're poor in the spirit. And guess what? Thank God, the kingdom of heaven is theirs for the taking. All they got to do is believe in Jesus. Blessed are those who mourn, shall they be, they'll be comforted. Well, guess what? All these people were mourning. They were like, heck, I can't have any relationship with Jesus or with God. But you know that after Jesus died on the cross, now Jesus brought the comfort of the Holy Spirit to teach us all things, to bring all things into our remembrance, to comfort us. See, that's the awesomeness about if you don't have God, if you don't have the Spirit of God, then you are without. But you can get God through Jesus Christ and now you have the comforter, the Holy Spirit. You know, and I, I, everybody says, well, I've never had the Holy Spirit talk to me. Yes, you have. You've had the Holy Spirit. It's, the, it's that little eh, that you have right here. How many people's had that? Give me, everybody, it's eh, it's like, uh-uh. Let's go in this direction. You know, I, I've had the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's almost like I was, you know, the, the more you listen, the more it's like he grabs you, not just go, eh, but the more you listen, it's almost like he grabs you around the shoulders and pulls you back. You know why that is? It's because the more you listen, the more you believe, the more you believe, the more you trust, the more you trust, the more he talks. And if you ask, he will give. If you seek, he will find the answer for you. See, we have to go through this process 
This was a process of love where Jesus was telling them, hey, we can get you into the kingdom. We can also give you hope. We can get you to the place to where now you've got something that will give you comfort called the Holy Spirit. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is what I talked about last week. Prosperity. You know, if God, if, if God says, hey, I made some money and I put it in your backyard. How many people needs to, to spend that money? Nobody. It's counterfeit. Don't do it, Brock. It's counterfeit. You'll go to jail. God didn't create money. Man created money. On the back of my money, it says the United States of America. Who created the United States of America? Man. You know, I always find it to be funny when people go, well, God created the United States of America. Well, he created the ground. He, he created the people. The people was the one that decided to call it the United States of America and create a government. Thank God they created a government based upon the Ten Commandments, based upon the laws of God. Do you know that we have these laws and we do these things because God put them in motion? And man said, yeah, I'm going to follow what God had already put out there. Do you know that I said this the other week. Do you know that we're one of only a few countries that you are, that are, you're innocent until proven guilty? They put the onus on the government to say, I'm going to prove that you're guilty, but we're going to, we're going to act like you're not. Even if we saw you shoot someone, we're still going to act as if though you're not. You know, you go to other countries. I was actually talking to um, Brad Holloman and, and his daughter, and they've been all over the world. They were evangelists and, and, and they, they went to South America and everything. And they said that you have to, that this is the, this is what you do to get something done. Is you, little money. Do you know that we have such strict laws that you can't, do you know that Birmingham years ago, how many people remember this? If I tell you, you're going to remember this. How many people know that when they passed the law in the state of Alabama where you had to prove that you lived in the state and that you were a citizen, that it was lined out of the Birmingham courthouse down there? Remember, there'd be two, three-hour lines trying to get in there to get your tags renewed. Anybody remember that? It was on the news, everything. Okay, well, you know what people were doing? They were bribing the lady that was in the... The hallway, you know that lady got 10 years in prison? You may be going, oh, she made over $100,000 in two years by people going, hey, I'll give you $500 if you get me to the front of the line. You know, that's bribery. Do you know that in our country, we don't allow it. We, we maximize the penalty for that. You know why we do that? Because in other countries, what they call the banana republics. How many people have heard of the banana republics? Well, they have a constitution. They have laws against bribery. But guess what? You go down there, that's the only way you get to do stuff. You know, Southern Company, the, the company I work for, they actually had power plants. They were buying them down there. You know, that they sold them all back because they said we couldn't get anything done because we have a policy of no bribery. Do you know that this is one of the things that we need to understand is that 
we were created, that our prosperity was created by God here on earth, not by some man's idealisms. So God has a purpose and a plan and he has prosperity for you. And what I I said this last week, what was your earth? Do you know that there's a lot of times that we, we need to find out what is the thing God wants to prosper us in? Where does he want to take us? Because he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And it's not a, a boatload of cash sitting in your backyard that he counterfeited. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, this word righteousness just means to be acceptable to God, to be in right standing. Do you know that when you're in right standing with God, that means that God says you're acceptable. How many people want to be acceptable to God? How many people's accepted Jesus? You're acceptable. Because if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are acceptable to Him. Now, does that mean that you will mess up? That you won't mess up? No! You're going to mess up. But guess what? He's sitting back going, I've already paid it. Do you know that we need to understand our right standingness with God? Because it brings about the ability for us to get out of our problem. How many people created problems for yourself? Everybody. In fact, most of your problems are self-created. Do you know that when, when God says, I have sent Jesus to overcome the world? He didn't say, I, I sent Jesus to change the world. The world's not going to change for us. He sent, a, he sent him to overcome. And guess what? He made us overcomers too. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy and compassion. By the way, if y'all want a more in-depth teaching, last week was the first part of this. I'm just trying to hit the highlights because these last two that I'm going to give at the end here, they're... They're what I'm going to teach more in depth on. But I just wanted, I know we got a couple of people that may not have been here last week. I just wanted this to sort of make sense, right? So, blessed are the merciful. Those are the compassionate ones, for they shall obtain mercy or compassion. Do you know that when you give compassion, you receive compassion? In fact, I love this scripture in Luke 6, 38. It says, give and you, it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom with the same measure that you meet shall be measured unto you again. That means that when I give compassion, then I'm going to get compassion. But last week I told you, if I give compassion to Brock, well, Brock may decide, well, I don't have nothing to do with Dusty. So I might not get anything back from, from Brock. Do you know that I work with Brock? I know he's, he's a very compassionate person, so I'm just using him as an example, okay? But do you know that it may be that God sends somebody else to give me that compassion? Because he may not be able to give me compassion. It may be Micah, or it may be Joe, or it may be somebody else that comes in when I need compassion, 
I'm getting it somewhere else because God put the seal and the stamp of compassion on it. This doesn't have to do specifically with, well, if I give Brock compassion, then I'm expecting you to give it back. Well, I might. But you know what? I'm not looking for that kind of compassion. I'm looking for the kind of compassion that says that when I'm in need, when I want, when I have lack, that God is going to give me the compassion. And that might come through anybody. Blessed are the pure in heart. And it says, for they shall see God. This is where we left off last week. Do you know that, that, the, that when we see God, it's not like, hey, God came down and I saw his form. This is not what this means. It means that when I am pure in heart, it means when I, my core belief system, this word in, in the Greek is cardia. It means the middle. It means your thoughts and your core beliefs. So if your thoughts and your core belief system is pure, do you know what pureness means? It means that I believe what God's word says. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to ask for any hands because I would even have to not put my hand up. There are times where I know what the word says, but I just don't believe it the way I need to believe it. That's one of the reasons why I need to renew my mind. But do you know that when I renew my mind with something, in fact, this happened this week. I was sitting there and it's been a long time since you know, I told the story about you know, helping the person at, um, at full moon. They passed away. If you want to hear that story, go back because it's, it's a long story, but it's it, it happened years ago and people got saved because I went and helped some people that were just homeless on drugs. Do you know that the Lord started putting back in my heart that that's something that I should be desiring more? Do you know that there's a part of me that was sitting there going, I don't know if I want to go and help this person over here because it might require something of me. Well, I had not done that before. You know, pure in heart just means that I'm starting to believe what his word says again. <clears throat> you know, I believe what his word says when, <coughs> excuse me, I believe what his word says when I start doing it. You know, James actually, there's a lot of people, even Martin Luther didn't like James. He wanted it taken out of the Bible. You know why he wanted it taken out of the Bible? Is because he said, faith without works is dead. Makes all the grace people just go crazy. It's like, oh, you mean I've got to have works? You know that, that faith without works is dead. You know that all that means is, is that I know I'm entrusting when I actually step out. You know, if I take the step, that means I believed it. Does that make sense to everybody? If I truly believe something, then I'm going to work on it. You know, that word work in James there is ergonos. If you ever heard of ergonomics, you know, you got all these people, it's like ergonomic desk, ergonomic, you know, keyboards and all that kind of stuff. Well, all that word means is the work. So ergonos means to work. It means it is your business. How many people know that if you owned a business, you would work at it, right? 
That's all God's saying there. Is that if you believe in what you're supposed to be doing, if you believe in your business, you're going to work it. That's what we need to do when we have faith in something. Is that we believe it almost like it's our business. Because it is. And you got to work your business in order for it to be successful. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that the pure in heart of the people who said, I got rid of all the doubt. Now I believe it all. Now I'm going to see God work in every single area of my life. Man, God started opening up opportunity for me to minister to people and to see people get saved and to see, the, to see awesome things happen. I'm going to tell you one more. I, I love, I was so, when I was going to Bible college, you're getting like, you know, 18 hours a week of just pure word. I'm talking about it's changing your life. You start seeing things differently. You start going back to the, to things before Bible college was, then you start having the, the world come creep in. But when you're every waking moment is I'm reading the word, I'm getting teachings on the word. It starts changing you. You know, I'm at work. I'm about to leave. I'm supposed to go and do a teaching. I, I was actually, in the last year, they asked me, would you come and do a teaching? <clears throat> I said, yeah, I'll do that. So it was, it was for a, a, an earlier class, like the first year class. And I was supposed to teach three, three hours. It was supposed to help me build my chops, right? So that I could, so could kind of understand how to be a, a, a minister, I'm sure y'all don't want me to teach for three hours today, right? Can I get some amens? Okay, I get a bunch of no's. Don't do that. So I got to go for it, okay? I'm going for it. Three more hours. My point behind this is, is that the Lord told me, and y'all remember Nukes over on 280? So Nukes on 280, it was over there right where uh, Whole Foods and everything was at. I'm, I'm leaving work, and... Where the class was, was like over in Irondale, okay? Nukes on 280 is over here, right? Completely far away from each other. I only had a certain amount of time. And I heard the Spirit of the Lord go, you want some nukes, don't you? And I was going, uh, yeah, that'd be fine. But I, 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 yeah, I'll do that another day. But it was like, eh. You know, it was like, no, you need to go to Nukes. So I was like, okay, I got to leave earlier. I got to get over to Nukes. I knew, okay, the Lord, you want me to go to Nukes for something, not just for the, you know, for the uh, chicken white barbecue sandwich or whatever it is that I ate over there. So anyway, I leave. It takes me forever to get there. I'm kind of mad at the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be honest with you. I was telling the Holy Spirit, I was like, why did Lord, you better show me what's going on over here because I'm going to be late to go teach this three-hour class that I'd been preparing for. And then it was like, ah! I mean, I was going, how many people... If you taught one hour up here, you know, years ago, that was pretty bad. But when they said, go teach a three-hour span, that was like, it, it consumed like two weeks of my life, Okay. So I go to Nukes over on 280. I get out of the car. There's nobody in Nukes. I walk in. There's a lady. She's pierced from top of her head, probably all the way to her toes. Got pink and green and, and purple hair and everything. And she is red-eyed. I'm talking about as red as my son's shirt over here. And she's just like, 
And, and so I order my food and I go, are you okay? And she says, yeah, I'm fine. And I, I start to head on to go get my food. And all of a sudden I get the, eh, the Holy Spirit goes, ask her again. In fact, said, ask her what happened today. I said, what happened today? And she broke down crying. And she said, my friend overdosed on drugs about three days ago and we buried her today. And I went, oh no, I've got to minister to this girl. How many people, in the moment you get that, oh my gosh, I've got to, I, I got to get, I got to dig in here and I got to pray with her and I got to do something, right? Oh, come on. Y'all aren't that, that holy. If somebody tells you, hey, my friend just died, most people are going, oh, I'm so sorry. How can I get to the table without having to get too deep into this? Do you know that I, I stood there for about five minutes and I talked to her? So I talked to her and, and I told her, I said, I just told her that, you know, God loves you and I'm praying for you. And I listened to her. We're standing right there. No one came in. No one went out. And so I went and sat down. She brought my food to me. She sat down with me at the table and I ministered to her for probably 20, 30 minutes. I'm just, I'm a minister. I can't even tell you what I was saying because the Holy Spirit was so in the middle of that moment that I was starting to tell her things about herself and about where she needed to be and, and how much God loved her and everything. And it was so amazing. I wished I could have recorded it. Do you know that she, she told me, she said, oh, I just, you know, you're, you're taking all this time. You need to eat. And I said, no, I said, this is more important. So we, I finished up. I prayed for her. I asked her if she was saved. She said, no, I prayed with her. The salvation message. Right then, right there. And I gave her a card. for the. I was going to Life of Faith at that time. I gave her a card. I said, hey, call us, whatever. I don't know if we ever heard from her again. But she gets up, she goes off. I don't see her again. I sit down, I, I scarf my sandwich down. Scarf it down. And, I, and I'm like, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be, I mean, like really like, cause we're talking about, I had probably 45 minutes that I had to be there. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting to Irondale in the middle of work traffic and everything. Do you know, I left, I left work at 445 to go over there. I get there 45 minutes go past. Okay. So what time should it have been? 5.30, right? By the time I got done, you know that I walked back to my car, I got in and it said 5 o'clock. Now I'm going to tell you, there's probably some people that went, well, wait a minute, Duster, you're saying God stopped time? Well, wait a minute, God did stop time in the Bible in order for Israel to be able to win a battle. I'm going to say it again. God stopped time in the Bible for Israel to win a battle. 
Do you know that God will stop time in order to win a battle in somebody's heart? You know, I'm not trying to tell you that that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen, but it could. I'm not telling you to go and do anything. I'm telling you, listen to what the Holy Spirit says. And the Holy Spirit may say, you just go talk to somebody and time had nothing to do with it. But I just want you to know that that was a blessing to me because I got all the way across town and I taught for three and a half hours. Well, probably less than three hours. Do you know that, that those kind of things are what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in people's lives? He's trying to get somebody who says yes... To go and talk to somebody who's saying maybe. There's plenty of maybe people in your life. There may be some maybe people you run into. And you can turn them into yes people. So if God can change the way you see your life. See your situation. He can change you to be able to see him work in every single facet of your life. All right, guys, y'all think I can do this in 13 minutes? I don't know. We're going to see where we get to, okay? Oh, I got two hours. Man, thank you that you just reminded me. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 9 is where we're going to start. We're only going to do like three more verses. It'll only take us about seven or eight more hours. But blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I'm going to break this down for you a little bit because a lot of times we just skip over some of this stuff and we go, oh yeah, well, you know, peacemakers. I mean, I've heard crazy teachings on this that I won't go into, but blessed are the peacemakers so for they should be called sons of God. This word called is kelo and it means a surname. It's a given name. Do you know that you might have somebody that if you're the peacemaker in that situation, they'll say, you're a God send. How many people have heard that? Do you know that we're, we're talking about that when you come into a situation and you bring about peace, you're going to be the one that people are going to go, I really wished he was around. Do you know that, that when we're called the sons of God, we're actually people are going to see us as offspring. This word sons right here is heroes. It means a son, a child, an offspring of God. You will be synonymous because you are. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're in the family of God. Well, if you're in the family of God and you're a peacemaker, which is a part of, the, a part of our gifts of the Spirit, by the way, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, those are all tenets of being in the family of God. You know, who will call you these people? In 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12, it says, Beloved, <clears throat> I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which wars against your soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or the world. And it says that when they speak against the evildoer, um, they may be by your, by your good works, which they have observed, glorify God in the day of visitation. All this means is, is that they're going to see you as the sons of God. And when they observe you in that day, 
they're going to be like, wow, there's something different about Micah. There's something different about Reba and Charlie. There's something different about Sonia. I need to, I need to know what this is. And do you know that when people watch you, which they are, there's people watching you. The moment you say that you are a Christian, whether you've said it or not, like out loud, but if you pray over your food or you do whatever, there are people that are watching you. They want to see you mess up. Thank God. Thank God. I need everybody to go, thank God people want to see me mess up. Thank God people want to see me mess up. Do you know why? Because when you become the peacemaker, when you step in and you're the one that's bringing everything down, they're going to come back to you. There's a guy I worked with years ago. He's now long went off to another company. But me and him didn't get along real well. But do you know that because I was a peacemaker, he would come to me when he needed prayer or he needed spiritual advice. I don't understand why, except for this scripture. It's, it's spiritual. Had nothing to do with the flesh because in the flesh he hated my guts. And I didn't like him very much myself. But do you know that, that when I brought peace to a situation, he'd come up and go, thank you. Whoa. Do you know that the sons and the daughters of God are going to be known by the peace that they bring? You know, this is very simple. Don't let your flesh be caught up in the world's aggravations. If you just sit back and go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do here? It may be as much as you just being there and saying, hey, guys, let's take it down a notch. But it may be that you come into the situation and you bring clarity to something. You know, there's been plenty of times in my life where people are arguing over stupidity and they can't see their, they can't see what the right and the left is doing or this person and that person. And you come in and you just bring clarity. You know, I love this. We got taught this years ago. One of the things that we were taught was yes and. And this is used a lot in the, the business world. But it would be a little bit like this. If somebody comes in and they say something that's completely wrong, you go, if you say no. So let's just say, for an example, you know, I came to you and I said, and I said well, you know, I know Micah doesn't really like me that much. You know, I just, I feel it in my, in my bones. And then Caleb goes, Caleb goes, uh, no, man, you're crazy. Do you know that that's not going to help with the peace side of it, right? But a lot of times if you go, uh, well, how about this? How about let's look at the facts. What has Dusty done? What makes you think that? And you know, the yes and means that I go, hmm, maybe, yeah, but, or and, this is what I see in y'all's relationship, or this is what I see in your life. And you show the facts. So you may actually be the person who brings clarity. Don't get caught up in the sides, get caught up in the clarity. Get caught up in the peace. 
Because if you bring peace to a situation, that means that you're the one that is mediating. Remember what we said a couple weeks ago where we were talking about the ministry of reconciliation? It means that the ministry of reconciliation is to bring people back to Jesus, but the ministry of reconciliation is also to bring people together. I mediate when I reconcile. You need to be the clarity and the reconciler of people's hearts. Their hearts is their belief system. If you believe something, then you will have it in their heart. means that they will believe it. They will. So now if the facts start coming into play, Micah goes, well, you know what? I believe that now. So when somebody comes against him or, or he thinks I'm trying to come against him, my example is you can bring back clarity so that people believe. Do you want to believe? I want to believe. I want to believe that people can come back together. You know, there's too many people that are walking around here going, well, they're just a lost cause. No. It's not lost causes. We need to get ourselves to the point to where we see people in the peace of God. All right, last one. Matt, you can start heading on up here, buddy. And then we're going to start closing this down because we've got a Christmas party. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. It said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute uh, you and say all kinds of evil against you and make false um, and against you for false uh, falsely in my sake. Let, let's just, I'm going to break this down. Persecuted here means to press forward or to be held back. You know, a lot of times people think, well, persecution is going to come because, you know, somebody's going to try to kill you or somebody's going to try to make a, um, you know, make something against you. But you know that some people may just say, I'm going to hold them back because they're a Christian. Do you know that your righteousness, your right standingness in God will make the world hate you? They'll try to hold you back. Persecution is not always just a, I'm being whipped or beat. You know I mean? So let me ask you a question. Do you think that Christianity was trying to be held back when they killed Jesus and they killed the disciples? Yes. So it's a gambit. It's a spectrum. But what I want you to also see here is that because of your righteousness, you can also move forward. And it says here, when they try to defame you and persecute or try to hold you back and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be glad, exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know that when we have somebody trying to hold us back, when they're trying to, to hold us down, because they don't like our message, they don't like that we have right standingness with God. I've had people say, how dare you believe that you're righteous? Well, how dare you, if you believe in Jesus, believe you're not righteous? That means that you're not taking the Lord's, everything He did, going to the cross, 
dying for us and being raised again, you're not taking his body and his blood into consideration. You know, next week we're going to do communion. That means that when we do communion, we look at the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. What did he do for us? See, persecution is where they're trying to hold it back. They want to make you like the world. You know what? I don't want to be like the world. The world is going to hell and I don't want to do that. I want people to come up to my standard. I want them to be in Jesus Christ. I want them to see the life and the love and the people that they can affect. But they're never going to do it as long as we try to whitewash Christianity. Whitewashing Christianity means that I'm exactly like the world and that I have no right standing with God. Well, guess what? You can go follow after that if that's what you want to do. But I'm going to believe what the Word says, that when I was saved, that the right, I became the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, as it says in Romans. This is the truth, and you need to believe in the truth, and you don't need to let people try to take your Christianity from you. Because guess what? That is just the same thing as persecution. Oh, how dare you think that you're better than me. It's not about what I think. This is not about what I think. This is about what I am in Christ Jesus. I want everybody to say, I am in Christ Jesus. I am righteousness. That's truth. Don't let somebody take your righteousness from you. Because you're in right standing with God if you're in right if you have accepted Jesus. In fact, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul was saying here, brethren, I do not count myself to be to uh, I'm sorry, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward towards those things which are ahead. In this same word, doko, it means to press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know that when people are trying to, when people are trying to hold you back, God says you got to push double hard. You got to push through them. I remember playing football in high school and you would, you'd be sitting there and they would put two and three people on you. And you'd be under the pile. You know, the ones that was that would get to start and the ones that would get to play the game were the ones that would fight through the pile and be standing on top of it. You know, I don't apprehend to know. I'm just going to fight my way through it. I'm just going to keep going until I've pushed through because when people try to hold you back, when, when the world's trying to hold you back because of your righteousness and your right standingness in Jesus, then guess what? You've got to push harder. You've got to push harder. You know, Psalms 37, I've been using Psalms 37 a love. I love Psalms 37. But Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholded him with his hands. You know that this is, this is the thing that we need to realize, that if you are in Christ Jesus, then that means that 
every step you take, now this is not like, you know, hey, I'm walking. This is every time you're going to make a decision. The Lord is trying to get the right path to you. He's trying to show you where to push back. In fact, I would almost say that if somebody if somebody or something is trying to keep you from moving forward in an area, that may be the first area I would look at to say, is, is this where I'm supposed to be going? Because I've tended to find that the enemy, the, the devil, Satan himself, will try to throw roadblocks in front of the areas that you're supposed to be going. Do you know that in everything that you do, in everywhere that you go, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What's going to be added unto you? Your provision. That's what Matthew chapter 6 is talking about. He's saying Solomon wasn't, in all of his glory, wasn't even arrayed like all the flowers and the birds of the air means that God has provision for you. God has a place for you. God wants you to go to the next place. But guess what? You have to be the one that says, I'm pushing forward towards the mark of the high calling of God. Push forward. Don't let it hold you back. Keep pushing forward. Don't let fear stop you. Push forward. Don't let it hold you back. Everybody, close your eyes and and bow your head. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I just pray over each and every person that is at the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father, that in, in these times that we're living in, I thank you, Father, that you are showing us where to push forward. I thank you, Father, that you are showing us that in this season that we're in, that there are some areas where we need to push through it. There's some fear that is coming. There's some, there's some angst that is coming. There's, there's strife that is being pointed and pushed towards certain areas of our life. And Father, I just thank you, dear Lord, that you're giving us the strength to push through. To push through these areas. Because there is a prize on the other side. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that during this Christmas time that people are going to have such a great time, that they're going to have reconciliation back with their families, that they're going to have good times, that there's going to be more memories that are going to be made this year than has been in the previous years. And it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. We just thank you, dear Lord, that there is a peace, that we bring peace to these situations. And Father... I thank you that we are going to have the best Christmas that we have ever had. Father, I pray over each and every one of them as they go today. Bless them. Put people across their path so that they can be those peacemakers. And so that they can bring them back into the fold, to the inheritance, and to the sonship of God. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If y'all need prayer for anything, I'll be down here. If there's nothing else, we're dismissed. Y'all have a great week.